think this microphone might be picking up a weird buzzing from the lamp. But there we go, we'll see. about the internet not like love for the internet because the internet is one of those things which I think we have a dependency almost not almost we have a dependency on it now and yeah it's love hate and the benefits and then the other things that it does and it's such a big entanglement of often shit it's really hard to put it into one thing and say it's one or the other anyway I'm not here to talk about how much I love the internet I want to talk about internet friends I thought recently I've because I grew up and I was, I felt as a teenager, as I'm sure many teenagers felt, I was quite alone and it takes me quite a while. It's funny. This is going off in a, on, on some odd tangents. We'll see where we go. I am someone who I think a lot of people think they know and I think I'm someone that seems to show everything. Like, there's nothing I won't say. There's nothing I won't put out there. But really, underneath... I feel like there's very, the real thoughts I have are, are quite hidden and I don't really say often a lot of things that I think. Or maybe I'm just saying that to make myself sound more interesting. Who knows? We'll find out. Will we find out? I don't know. But I am, yeah, I am quite opinionated and I guess relatively vocal about those opinions. It's just that a lot of my opinions are a lot more radical maybe than I let on. But it, I'd be considered quite radical by a lot of people, especially when I'm here this very kind of something very ordinary about the town where I'm from and just very in keeping with the way certain things have been done so for people around here for sure I am think a bit of an outlier it's funny because I've been back home and I've almost regressed to a kind of 15 year old self which is working on the farm where I worked when I was a teenager and going out and drinking and noticing certain aspects of the way I'm interacted with, which I've always been aware of, but not... They've always been felt, but maybe I've not been able to kind of very clearly seen it with my own two eyes. Like, I am treated differently by people just by virtue of probably being A, a woman, and B, black. And in this example, A and B need to intersect. So we spell ab. I'm not sure I'm trying to spell ab or I want to spell ab. Anywho, um, I think I need to leave soon, which is why I've made the plan to leave soon. But I was at my friend's birthdays on Saturday night. And I noticed, especially when I'm feeling a bit insecure and down about myself, and I can't be the only person that gets like this. And I also wonder if it's more prevalent among women. And the reason why I wonder that, I've also just come from watching... I watched some documentary on Jermaine Greer, which was like a whole thing. I had never read the female... I started reading the female eunuch, but I don't think I finished it. There was a copy lying around this house, and I started it, but I never... It's funny, you read the kind of feminism of the 60s and 70s, and it's considered, like, revolutionary, and I suppose that's supposed to say, oh, we've come so far, but have we? I think we've just fallen into a different kind of trap. Personally. Um, And then I was watching Mrs. America which is about the Equal Rights Act in the US, and Gloria Steinem features in that, and Shirley Chisholm, who was a black woman who ran for president. And I also feel like, why did I never hear about her until this evening? What does that tell us? And then I Googled a bit, because I like to Google programs as I'm watching them, especially things that are based on real life stuff, because I'm like, I don't want, I just get interested in people. I watched a program about Rupert Murdoch yesterday. I googled stuff about the Murdoch family. I was interested. This is a real aside from my story. But we're going to go down this road for a bit and see where we end up. Yeah, so I was um, googling that and Gloria Steinem had said, oh, it just pits women against women. Which, you know, I have to say, 
having met white women. And then there's a bit in this, um, it's not a documentary, it's a drama. It's got um, Kate Blanchett as Phyllis Schaffley, I guess you'd pronounce it. I guess that's German. Sheeply? That can't be her name. Anyway, this drama. But then it is. it was interesting because actually the two episodes I watched were both directed by Amma Asante, who is a British director who did A United Kingdom and Where Hands Touch, which had um, Amanda Stenberg in it. And I really wanted to see that. But it's about a mixed race black girl falling in love with a boy in the Hitler Youth. <laughs> and no one was showing it in Germany because you can't show films like that in Germany, which has like any kind of vaguely sympathetic portrayal of the Nazis. <laughs> But I really wanted to watch that film. But a lot of people were like, what's with the kind of like dodgy German accents? Because at this point, we've got to stop making we. Like, I'm in charge of this. Britain and the US. Hollywood. Hollywood must stop making films with like just poor German accents. But it's an interesting story and it's an interesting idea because it's like, this is the thing about the world that's so complicated. Is like, of course, there were people that had relationships that still get caught up in these movements that's what so makes these fights so difficult and so or maybe that's a lie we tell each other and actually it's really simple and everyone should be on the same page let's put a bookmark in everyone should be on the same page because I want to come back to that later but I've really got sidetracked now and I can't really remember what my point was so I've been watching these feminist things tonight that's just a little backstory for where I am right now back to my friend's party so I was there, and this happens to me, and I think it might happen to other people as well, where I'm feeling a bit tired and insecure about myself just because I've just been at home for a while and I feel like I'm regressing and I haven't done comedy in a long time, which is quite good for me because um, in spite of outward appearances, I have very, very low self-esteem and it's good at keeping my esteem up. I would never ever show, I would I could tell you that I have low self-esteem, but people are like, no, you don't, um, but that's because there'd be nothing more embarrassing to me than people finding out that I like seeing it in its own thing. Anyway, this is not important. So I was at this party and there was some boys there, some boys I knew, many boys I knew, I've known some of them since primary school and like secondary school and it was interesting because there was like a guy there who like I wasn't bothered about, like I, but just in that very like wanting to hook up with someone because it had been a long time and I knew it would make me feel better about myself (laughs) god that was a really long backstory to get to that point I think sometimes I have a desire for love and and sex is a form of love as we discussed maybe on last week's episode that was about mainly masturbation and sex toys that's self-love but like being desired by someone else and like feeling an intimation which is kind of what sex is of love is very validating for ourselves when we feel unable to muster it for our own selves and the thing was like the thing the only vague thing I could say about this guy that was like oh slightly interesting was that he'd lived in Berlin and I was like cool and he hadn't even lived in a good part of Berlin he lived in Schallottenburg which is lame um shout out to you if you live in Schallottenburg move somewhere better. Sorry, I don't, I was going to apologise, but I don't care about insulting you if you're <laughs> I'm probably going to get back to Berlin and find that's the only place I can get an apartment and then I'll have to eat my words and live on like Kerfustendam. Gross. Yeah, so anyway, I was there at my friend's party and then I had to go home because my mum was picking me up at 10pm. Uh, I think she came at 10.30. Um, I've really regressed. When I say I've regressed in my teenage years, that is exactly what I mean. Um, which is good because they all stayed up till seven in the morning and I did not need another night where I stayed up till seven in the morning. And it was probably for the best anyway because I was really super hungover the next day, even not staying up till seven in the morning, even staying up till, I don't know, one, I guess, because I think I got home and possibly left some people some voice notes, you know, the usual. And I was really hungover and I really do enjoy sex. And yeah, I don't know if I've already mentioned this on the podcast before, but I feel like I'd be like that man that was like trapped in lava after Mount Vesuvius. Do you know what I'm talking about? Was it Mount Vesuvius? Like the very famous mountain that erupted on that island in the Roman times. And all the people 
were frozen in lava with what they were doing. And there's like famously that guy that's like masturbating. And I was like, that would be me, world's ending. Let's crack one out. And um, I think I have said this in the podcast before. I think that's why my quarantine relationship didn't work. Because I wanted to have sex. And he wanted to stick to an eight hour day. I know you're all like, boo, change the record. Stop talking about your quarantine relationship. Like, I will when I finally something else comes along that's interesting. I actually have hooked up with someone else since then. What am I saying? Where was I going with this? Oh, validation. Validation. Of wanting to feel validated by other people. And I think we like to feel validated by other people. Uh, not everyone does. Of course, not all people are super social. But as a whole, we are social creatures we derive a lot of self-worth from one another and that's not per se a bad thing I don't think it is inherently a bad thing and like all this idea like self-love it's like and it's hard because we live in a time when we're being like actively discouraged not to touch one another not to hug each other and comfort each other that's so hard because I just really believe like some of these feminists do that we need to stand in solidarity with one another though I think some of these feminists should also recognize other women's more, perhaps more marginalised positions. But I also don't enjoy thinking of our existence on, like, a list of added on oppressions, if that makes sense. I don't know if it does. You tell me. So I think in that sense, why I really enjoyed doing, like, the episode on lovers' solidarity, when we did the first one, which was, like, protest movements, is because I do believe you can really express your love by standing in solidarity with your fellow human beings. And you can get a lot of love that way, like, being on protests, creating groups for all kinds of issues and identities, and community, like, this is love. Like, this is also really love and really important. And I've written that, like, I failed in terms of romantic love. And whether I failed or the men I dated have just been arseholes. I've had a lot of damage as a teenage boy type vibe. In fact, I know I do. That's literally <laughs> my relationships with men. And to be among community, and that's one of the really things I'm looking forward to, to going back to Berlin and being amongst, especially like my black women community, Black Lady Brunch Club. To be amongst that and to, to be in solidarity with each other and to feel that as love is really nice. And I think that brings me on to my next point about the internet, which is it can be really used to seek solidarity and it can be really used to seek validation. I mean, obviously we know the internet is very much used to seek validation. And I mean, I'm off Instagram and Facebook at the moment because I'm really trying to understand myself without understanding a kind of A, an image I'm trying to portray to other people and B, what I'm trying to not understand myself through other people's perception of me, which is really difficult for me. Once again, I made some A's and B's there, but they're interconnected. B-A, ba, that's not a word. That's like a sheep that got interrupted. Ba, ba. The thing is, what is the thing? The thing is, the internet enables you, and I wondered if I'd had it, you know, we'd had Instagram at school and stuff, because I really get a lot of my education from Instagram. If we'd had it, you'd find these groups, you find your Instagram accounts that resonate with you, the algorithm reads your opinions and then feeds them back to you, and that's obviously, in a lot of people's eyes, liberal democracy, debate, everything, a problem. But it is interesting to find the groups and the people that, like, resonate with you, and obviously the ones that don't, too. I will make an aside here to talk about some shit that gone down on Twitter, which is just problematic platform. And I also want a content warning this, because it is about she who must not be named now. That is JK Rowling. I feel like the world is bad when people content warning your name. <laughs> um, but I already mentioned Jermaine Greer. And I don't really know what Gloria Steinem's views are on it, but th these are these kind of, the second wave feminists who have said things that are upsetting um, and fucking problematic. And in the case of J.K. Rowling, just... This one has made me so angry. So, so angry. And I've had discussions with some people about it. I spoke to my friend Eve via voice note, and she got angry with me. And I appreciated that so that my anger also felt justified. And that's an interesting, their point about how I see myself or understand myself better with the perception of other people is I use other people's anger to justify mine because I'm so uncertain of my own emotions. This is the, uh, the beginning of something that I will go into deeper with my new therapist, Randa. Love her. 
but I won't go into here. In the beginning, I thought it was just like another like white woman thing, which I kind of wrote in my article, The Weaponization of Victimhood, which was like, let's kind of double down on... It just was such a weird timing. It was it was the timing, firstly. Like, it was the timing because it was the middle of, like, the Black Lives Matter movement. I think there had been a kind of spate, though when there is not a spate of um, murders of trans people, especially trans women, I don't know. I think that's a pretty ongoing constant. And if you just look at the statistics in the U.S., like, trans women's life expectancy is, like, 35. It's insane. Like, it's just... That black trans women's life expectancy is 35 just tells you how vulnerable a group they are and how, for sure, you can say a thing and you feel like it's just up for debate. But you have to be mindful of the new norm, I think, which is that your debate is putting people's lives at risk. And I don't understand the logic that is like, just, if someone says, the things you're saying are hurting me, and they're hurting many people, would you be careful about saying them? I don't understand why the logic would be to double down on that. And then bring in a really unrelated point. I'm not laughing about the domestic violence that J.K. Rowling has experienced in life, it's horrible. But your issue is men. I don't know, understand how you do not see that your issue is men. Like, a trans woman didn't come and beat you up. Like, I don't... Your issue is with men. And then for her to say, I just want these spaces, in her words, to be protected from people, quote, unquote, natal women no one wants to be called a natal I certainly don't want to be called a natal woman no one needs that term I've never even heard it before it's not making up terms you're not Shakespeare um they need to be protected because they have like women's only spaces like women's refuges and stuff I donated to a women's refuge actually the other day see there you go bragging about myself to make myself feel better um they need to be protected and somehow you think that allowing trans women in these spaces opens the door to all men. On what grounds? Only on the grounds that you yourself are set because you have decided there's something innate about biological gender. Like, your argument doesn't even make sense. And it doesn't... None of it makes sense at any point because I was like, as if the thing that's been stopping women from being raped up until now has been a picture of a woman in a triangle dress on a door. Like, that's not stopping anyone. Like, that's never stopped any man from... Oh. You can see I've got a lot of feelings about this. I'm so angry. In the meantime, though, if you want a really nuanced and just textured and brilliant and funny and painful and unbelievably triggering, just... FYI conversation about consent and about the kind of nuances of how we understand our identity and stuff I would highly recommend you check out I May Destroy You by Michaela Cole on the BBC and HBO it is so good so so good I don't know what I've seen that's better what a phenomenal drama yeah just go watch it basically Anyway, back to the wizard lady. I just think it's so weird for someone who wrote, like, these kind of books that where they kind of, well, what we take from them is that the possibilities are endless. People can transform into animals, and it's like, God forbid, you ha apply the idea, like, those kind of transformative ideas to the real world. I don't know. I don't understand her motive. I don't understand her timing. I don't understand how people can't say to her, like, you're hurting and endangering people, why you wouldn't stop. As my friend very correctly pointed out, if she really cared, actually, about women, then she is free as a fucking millionaire to donate a bunch of all of her money to women's charities and women's refuges, which right now are only letting in something called natal women, which is also just bullshit. That's not a thing. 
She doesn't do that. She chooses in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of the biggest civil rights movement in history, while Black Life Matter is trending, to draw attention away from all of that, to start just a really problematic fight, and then say she's, like, in defence of lesbians, which was just, like, like suddenly the lesbians got dragged into it, and all the lesbians are like, what? Lesbians are really an ignored group in society. It's really unfortunate. Um, and gender is confusing, and these relationships are confusing. All this stuff is confusing. And I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know... I mean, and I didn't know what to do about it, as though somehow it's about me. But I do feel like I should tweet about it. I feel like I should defend people in the way that I know it does feel better for me when white people I know try and do the work about race. It has felt... It's funny, actually. It felt better for a bit, and then it stopped feeling better, and I had to get off social media, because then it felt like, actually, huge amounts of gaslighting, like a kind of collective gaslighting, where people who had done the things that I had said, where I've been hurt in ways that is to do with the fact that I'm a woman and black, and people who've perpetrated that, who are people I know and people who are my friends, and that's the fucking problem, were like sharing my article. (laughs) And then it suddenly at some point started to feel like gaslighting, especially when, like for instance, with my quarantine relationship boy, it was like, a very specific incident where I was talking about one of the most racist experiences I'd had and was met with like um nothing in a kind of like debate like let's debate you on this as though you weren't going to just come up on my side and it then to like go and watch that same person go to a Black Lives Matter demonstration and post about it it just feels like disingenuous and it feels like everyone wants to look good on social media but when it comes to me and my actual life, when I am a black person in your midst, my life is still does not matter to you and is not protected by you. The internet is very good for the show of solidarity and I wondered whether I should have done better with the JK Rowling thing and tweeted more because even though I deleted Instagram and Facebook I've kind of ended up on Twitter which is kind of the worst one but way less addictive because everyone in there is a freaking nightmare so you're only on it for a little bit and then you're like I'm sick to death of all these people and then you go off whereas at Instagram it's like these things are pretty I can see my friends and my their faces and I feel warmth about them and so on it's easy to trick humans with shiny colors that's why Candy Crush is so popular I've also been playing too much Candy Crush. But anyway, I digress. I feel like maybe I should have done better tweeting to... Sh- but then what am I tweeting to show people that I support trans people? Am I... Or does it actually help? And I guess that's sort of the question that runs through white people's minds is, is like, am I just doing this and it makes me look good? Or do I actually believe it? And therein lies the crux, really. And that's why we're all fucked, because of course I'd rather people shared my article and my work and I wish they would keep posting about Black Lives Matter, and I wish they would educate themselves. Fundamentally, I do want them to do that. But there is that still little feeling inside, which is like, when does it help? So I did donate to a trans charity in New York, which is a bit weird. I should have donated one in the UK. I mean, oh, why should I? I couldn't donate to one anywhere. Nationalism is another bullshit construct. They're just different languages we speak. And in the case of the UK and the US... It's not even that different. Some of the words in the US are shorter. And actually the reason why some of them have less vowels in it, like for instance colour, and you take out the U and it's like colour, or humour, humour. In fact, is humour spelled like that? Yeah, it is in US English. Is because in most newspapers in the UK, in Britain, like a hundred years ago, you had to pay per word. And in US newspapers, you had to pay per the letter. So people just started cutting the letters out to save money. Fun fact for you. We need to move on now from facts. What I wanted to try and say is there's people on the internet that find you. And they might be people you knew in real life. Or they might be people you've never met. Internet strangers, but you become internet friends. Who find you and you realise you share similar opinions because you're both posting them out there. This is an interesting kind of love because it's a love of someone you may not have spent that much time with physically, but you know your internet friends. And this happened with me and someone I went 
to university with. And I wouldn't say we were like particularly friends at university, but we like hung out and stuff. But we weren't in the same group. And then it was like through the power that is Instagram and finding each other on Instagram, it's like, I love everything she does as an artist. I think she's amazing. And she has given me like similar like validations of like, I love your Instagram stories. I make these really long, annoying slideshow Instagram stories. You know what? I'm not going to say they're annoying. They're great. They're bits of art where I will put, um, I'll go on a topic like, oh, I did, for instance, something about rape and how comedians shouldn't have rape jokes. And then I'm put like a bunch of text posts and memes and stuff that are all related to that topic in a kind of slideshow. And I think, sorry, there's an absolutely fucking giant spider crawling across the floor right now. Yeah, run, bitch, run. Get off my yoga mat. What was I talking about? Something really serious, actually. But yeah, so I put it all, and I think it's, I got that from um, writing essays in university because you have to get gather together all these different sources and then put them with one another to form a kind of argument. And that's, I think, because I went to a university where you had to do essays every week, where you had this style, I can only now express myself with other people's thoughts. I find it very difficult to express myself on my own um, because that's the kind of style of where education system work, which is like sources, validated. Which also, by the way, is incredibly enlightenment thinking of the 18th century, which is also what I wrote my master's thesis on which is fucking good bit of work. So good someone tried to steal it. My point is, this person <laughs> is wonderful and I feel like we're internet friends and we've met in real life. And we went recently for a drink. Actually, it wasn't recently. It was literally this time last year for a drink together. And I read their book and it was amazing and I really enjoyed it. And I got to the end of the book and I already was like loving it and I thought it was great. And I wanted to post about it on my Instagram being like, this is a great book. And then I realized there was an acknowledgement section under Muse. There were other muses, not just me. But I was so happy and it felt so, it feels reassuring. And it felt like love. I'm just going to say it. And we have started since, I've sort of been back in the UK, leaving each other voice notes, really long ones, almost like in an individual mini podcast. And I'm actually not up to date on them at the moment, but that's because I felt all kinds of weird this week. But it's really nice. And I think it's interesting also to be friends. Oh, that's the point I should have made earlier on. But I think, because I was talking to my, about my mother about this, about you can't just have friends that agree with you on polit politics and stuff. And my mum was like, well, it does make things easier. But that is kind of how you align. You do find people that kind of have similar values to you. And that's always been the case. Everyone acts like, oh, we're all in these echo chambers now. But when you had like 12 friends before and they were the only people you see and you only went to the same restaurants because Google Maps didn't exist, that's also a fucking echo chamber. Like I don't... It's just that the echo chamber now is bigger because there's more of you in it because you can reach more people, but it you weren't exposed to more different people. And there were people that would have felt incredibly alone. People like me, where you're the only black girl in the village, basically. And you feel incredibly alone and you wonder why your thoughts don't align with other people's. I have so many thoughts. I found this person, I would say it's love. I want to just include a little clip of one of our voice note chats. I think that's it. I hope you look after each other. And I hope we can learn to be a bit kinder to each other and say, when this hurts, please, would you be careful? Because hurt feelings are important. And I know all those people that signed some bonkers letter that was like, oh, free speech is being taken away. And you're like, it's not, you're not being censored. You're not being canceled. As long as I can still hear you, you haven't been canceled or censored. And we're exercising our free speech by saying your the things you are speeching are painful for us. Yeah, maybe we could all do with being a little bit kinder to each other. That is a beautiful thing that the internet gave us. Finding people who understand us when we're in situations where there isn't really anyone that can understand us. I hope you enjoy this episode and have a lovely week.
Hey, it's me. I uh, <laughs> I just let, like left you a one minute recording that I deleted where I said hi, Kate. It's me, and then analysed the fact that I said hi, Kate. It's me, and reflected on the fact I didn't need to say that. And then kind of the beauty of like in the good old days when you had to announce who it was on voicemails, like, hi, it's, it's this person and that you don't need to do that anymore. And yet I still do. And like, I write sometimes quite a lot in my diary, like, dear, dear, dear notebook, it's Abby, <laughs> um, uh, which I find very funny. And then obviously like in my book, it says like, hi, it's Abby multiple times. And people have responded to that with like really personal, uh, like reflections on like addressed to Abby but like it's the Abby in the book but then I find that like really strange sometimes that like uh I don't know maybe I've said this already but it feels sometimes like they feel they know me and like and they don't like but they do because the book is like a really accurate depiction of my existence so I don't know it's funny it's like it's it's just a weird thing to say hey it's Abby and then this time I didn't I said hey it's me I'm slicing bread if you're wondering what all the noises are um I'm good thank you for asking I loved your messages uh I'm trying to think of like what's new here like I've had like a bit of a cough and a sore throat the last few days and obviously like people like every time that happens it's very anxiety inducing but like I get sore throats and coughs quite a lot, so I guess the real issue is more... I don't know, it's interesting being chronically ill at this time because you suddenly are very aware of like every symptom you have in your body that you were just so used to. Um, now I'm unloading the dishwasher. <laughs> a real good time to leave a message. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, so I, I feel like a bit ill today, but like... I don't think it's like the virus, it just is a virus. And then like, uh, kind of like leads one to beg the question, how did I catch a virus? And it could have been the virus. And then like, do I need to be a bit more careful? I don't know. It, so that's an interesting thing. Um, but I don't really like, I mean, you can't dwell too much on it, can you? <laughs> uh, maybe you can, I don't know. Uh, the other day I went with a, my friend Miriam, who I really want you to meet, I think you would get on very well. Uh, we went to the river and um, I made weed milkshakes for us and we got, because you can't share a spliff in these troubling times can you? Um, and we sat like two metres apart on like this little corner of the riverbed and um, drunk on milkshakes and were like a really reasonable amount of high but not too high and then like kind of traced along the river looking at the world and there was like there there was this really cool cooperative housing cooperative on like on the on the Thames like on the way to Rotherhithe that uh, was playing they, everyone was singing which I normally hate actually but they, for some reason they kind of pulled it off like they were all on like these kind of weird indoor balconies singing down at each other and then like I researched the cooperative because they seem really cool and it's like all you have to be sing single to live there um, which I love as a situation like I love that there's a and it's such an it was such an elaborate balcony like situate like the whole building was just so elaborate and opulent and everyone there has to kind of take care of each other and it was being led by this guy who like I've been to uh, tours by by this like man who he's like very theatrical like theatre queen who like he he works at the Brunel Museum and gives these like really really elaborate theatrical uh, tours of the, the South Bank and uh, he was leading this like little concert and then we went along the river a little bit further and found like this really beautiful uh, little beach that was like completely deserted on the Thames um, so that was super nice and I think that now like uh, that's like lockdown is getting like ridiculous and I think that will be I, I wanted to socialize like once before the lack of lockdown prevented me from going out and then I, I did go out like again once to, to like go back to that same little 
spot by the Thames and it was just like completely crowded and nobody gave a fuck anymore so <laughs> um i guess i won't go out for a long time now so it like oh my, maybe i'll go to my studio because that's just around the corner and no one's there so that will be fine but like um it's it's been quite an interesting experience to like to explore the idea of leaving the house again and then do it kind of once and go like this was lovely i loved it and then be like okay well that's that for the next few months i guess <laughs> until like the second wave is over yeah so that's weird um this is like a weird message it's like not a very I don't know, it's I like everything's really good here, but like I'm just leaving like a really vague message. Um yeah, I'll stop now so that like you don't it doesn't just go on with me being like mm and ah too much. I ate like an amazing donut this morning also. It was like so viscerally it was so sticky. Like I had to defrost it and it has um it's like a Homer Simpson kind of donut and it was so sticky and oh that was a loud noise. It was so sticky and textured and it felt like um, just so opulent and ridiculous and I had it with instant coffee because our coffee machine isn't working and I really loved like the scum on the top of my coffee mixed with like the stickiness of this like defrosted donut like and I, I'm just like super into that texture today so I'm thinking a lot about that. Um, oh yeah, thank you for saying that my book was uh, Visceral or... Um, what was the other one you said? Another V one, fiscal viscous. Yeah, um, yeah. Thank you. I really appreciate that. I love books that have textures. Like, have you read Paradise Rot by Yeni? Well, I'll, I'll send a link to that. It's so good. It's like, it's like a really fungal book. Really, really, really fungusy. And like, it was so viscous and visceral that like, um, I became really aware of like spilling my tea on it and like um getting it a bit wet <laughs> and I really loved that about it it was like just such a lovely series of textures it's like kind of a disgusting book um I my friend Miriam who I just talked about uh translated the book into English from Norwegian and we talk a lot about like fungus textures um and like slime textures and i'm writing an essay this week about like slime and fungus textures um i think that they're like inherently like crit and queer because like fungus the way it grows is like it reproduces in very queer ways and it's also like hidden in it hasn't had a very like people are really squeamish around fungus and it grows in dark places but does all these amazing things and it's like like they're like fungus is like le leading the the revolution in climate change like fungus can um the the queerest thing i think about fungus is like the the, fung the fungi that is like under the ground in rainforests that passes um nutrients from like one species of tree to another species of tree and like helps to keep the overall forest surviving and uh like i feel like it's so much like a mutual aid network where you're like passing around like gofundme to gofundme like p passing around the same 20 quid and like the, the kind of care that comes in marginalized communities where like you have to look after each other and look after everyone and like no one will survive unless we all look after everyone to some extent and i feel like fungus does that and like also reproduces in like really queer ways like slime slime mold which isn't quite fungus but like is accepted as like a an uh oh god this is such a long i've done so much research this week about fungus this is what's happening here i'm just telling you about it um slime mold is seen as an honorary fungus um but and until recently was seen as a fungus but it has like some slime molds have 600 genders it's crazy <laughs> so um yeah i'm writing about that and about how fungus is cool <laughs> and how like i got a slime on my bathtub at one point that's actually really really lethal if you're immunocompromised but then I sat in the bath surrounded by it for because I was so cold and like it's kind of about the compromises you make when you're in pain and cold and um I guess about coronavirus with that in mind like that like knowing that there's like this lethal thing all around you but like having to make decisions that are dangerous anyway because of your like other needs um so yeah a bit about that and then just a bit about how cool fungus is <laughs>
yeah, that's what's going on today. I should probably like get back to writing that article. But thank you for if you've made it through 11 minutes of me umming and ahhing kind of tiredly. Uh, I appreciate that. Love a long voice note. This one is quite long. Yeah, uh, I hope you're well too. It's uh, I want to hear more about your your coffee shop situation. It sounds kind of cool, and I love that someone came up to you with 50p tomato plants. Um, do like what's the the arrangement? Would you like buy back the plants, or would would you like pay at the end of the day? Like how does that how does that tomato plant situation work? I want to hear all about that. I'm sending loads of love. I hope you have a great day and speak soon. listened again to your to your voice note ow and i just walked slightly into it's not a thistle it's like a kind of you know plants that have very thin spiky hairs on their stem so they catch you it's a vine it's what it is and just hit me in the forehead i'm wandering up and down my mum's garden which is really i've never been particularly that bothered maybe when i was younger i was into gardening and stuff but like when i was a child but never been that bothered but since I've come home I very appreciate this outdoor space I'm very blessed in that sense because I think without that stuck in the house it's, it's a different game it's a different game yes so first the tomato plants I don't know someone just said his dropped a bunch of tomato plants off and said sound for 50p each and then there was no more about it because no one came to buy them and I left work shortly after that because I had a meeting. But um, I don't think people want to buy tomato plants for 50p because tomato plants are ubiquitous. They're so easy to germinate. And I think people would give you them for free is what I think when it comes to tomato plants. So that's my thoughts on that tomato plant business. Now I'm in the greenhouse, which I think means my voice will sound different. I am... Um, I enjoyed your voice note a lot. I enjoyed the sounds. When the bread was cutting, I thought it was maybe cheese grating, but it was bread cutting. And I enjoyed the dishwasher sounds. I enjoyed all of the sounds a lot. So always feel free to have a soundtrack. And yeah, I think it's it's like, this is the thing that was so weird about like Boris being like, yeah, just like use your sense. And I was like, that's not going to work because people weren't paying attention to the rules anyway. So you can't, I don't, but then there's also this thing, right, like, it, it just was, I don't know, I feel like Berlin's, I mean, I messaged people in Berlin, I'm like, Berlin's opened up, like, there are comedy shows happening with, like, special um, social distancing rules, and people are, like, having comedy dinners because, like, restaurants are allowed to open, so you, as long as it's, like, food, you can get away with the fact there's someone on stage, I guess, and all this stuff. But um, then I talked to people and people are like, yeah, but there's going to be a sec wave and the cases have all spiked. And I was like, well, yeah, because 40 confirmed cases at that time is just the people they know about. And there were always people carrying it around that they didn't know about. Um, but then in the UK, I think it's just such a different society because I fundamentally don't think they care here if people die. And I know that's like, people can't, some people can't believe that, but I'm like, they never cared because Germany really cares about its working class population because they are really useful to them because they are an industry economy and they rely on them to manufacture them cars and shit and keep their economy going. So it makes sense for Germany to try and do their best to keep them alive, but it doesn't make sense for like the UK to keep these people alive. I think it is perfectly happy to use this as a kind of, yeah. I don't know. I think, it, yeah, it's a shame that it's like, oh, that's like the last time you'll be able to go. Um, and like, out and before, because yeah, this is the thing, like it was just going to be until second wave lockdown, God. Um, I'm glad that you are on the whole, okay. Um, and I'm glad you did get milkshake time and a bit of spliff time by the river. Um, though. Yeah, that's really... Oh, and I really love the idea of a co-op that's just for single people. Um, sign me up. I'll I'll live there. Yeah. I feel like you move around in spaces in London that I don't know about because when I was in London, I was 
mm, maybe slightly different person or like I was living a relatively like normal, normal, regular life. What does that even mean? I don't know. But I didn't, I don't know about, I don't know. I always kind of just feel like that's why I'm like in Berlin because I'm like, London doesn't have it, but then actually it does have it. And you know these spaces and I just don't know them and it's about access to knowledge. Anyway, this is quite rambly. I did want to talk to you about fungus because, yeah, I think that's interesting. That's like really interesting, um, like philosophy of like passing these nutrients on. And I did read something. I get most of my information from Instagram, which is stupid. And now I've got Instagram off because the events of last couple of weeks um, in the US it's just fucking with my head and my sleep. Um, and I cannot help but relate to it on like a really personal level um, with my interactions with white people regarding race. And so it stresses me out in a lot of um, ways and I feel kind of selfish um, for relating to it on a personal level because obviously someone has literally, not someone, many people have literally been murdered by police and these are the ones we know and all that. Anyway, that was, kind of filling my head yesterday and um, made me quite exhausted but fungus I read somewhere that in Japan they use this special kind of mushroom that grows really fast to, to decide where to build the railway tracks so they set off this mushroom they I guess they plant it and then the mushroom will find the smoothest easiest route to cross the mountain or something or like the hills and so then they know where it's going to be like the smoothest, easiest route for the train to go. I'm pretty sure I read that. And I, if, it, if I made that up, well, it sounds like a great idea. So implement it. But um, I'm pretty sure that was something I read about it, which I thought was interesting. And then they say like fungus and mushrooms and stuff can't be, they can't be classified by anything, right? They don't like really make sense. They're not kind of like an animal or nor are they kind of like, a plant, like people that study them and stuff are just like, we don't really know what they are. So that's, I like things that defy categorization because categorization is, I don't know, European bullshit. But um, yeah, so I'm happy for you that you're writing, <laughs> writing an article about fungus and I'd like to, I'd like to read it. What was I saying? I'd like to meet your friend, Miriam. I would like to. He sounds great. And who apparently can speak Norwegian. We'll read it, for sure. And, um, okay, this is a lot of andons. I, yeah. Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed your book. It was just really beautiful and great. And I've been, I'm trying to do some writing today. I've been trying to write some, I'm just, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm, maybe I'll ask you, if you don't mind me asking you about your process. Because I think I do sometimes post about this on Instagram, like, I feel like this deep, it's like a struggle when it comes to writing as an art form. Like, it's like, ah, what are words? And I have feel like I have such eloquent, articulate thoughts. <laughs> I just, I don't, and then I just struggle to put them on the page. And I just like, I'm so, I don't know. I just felt, I just, could, like certain parts of it made me, mm, I'd, like I said, like I could feel it in my body. And I think that's really good. And uh, yeah. So I'm just wondering, did you, do you like writing? I guess so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would like to see you, but maybe that'll be a while. Maybe after second wave lockdown. I hope you have an... Oh, and also, thanks for the image of the donut. I like the idea that it was a Homer Simpson-style donut, because then I could picture it exactly. I hope maybe you have a donut today, or something else that's nice, like that. Maybe I'll have something like that now. Maybe some ice cream. Anyway, yeah, I hope you are. And speak to you soon. All right, bye. Um, yeah, I listened to your message twice and uh, like twice it made me like laugh out loud in some places and also like really sad uh, in others and I felt like, I don't know, I feel like we both occupy not, obviously not the same space but like a similar space in being like visibly marginalised but in quite a palatable way <laughs> um, and the types of conversation you get to have when you're in that space are really interesting because um like you get to hear 
what non-marginalized people like you get to hear I feel like I get to hear a lot of non-marginalized people testing their like testing ideas out on you um, which is a really strange experience to have isn't it like um yeah I'm sorry that you've had so many people calling and checking in on you this week and that feeling like a burden and an obligation like I yesterday I, it was interesting hearing your message like I'd just been on the phone to my friend who is also a um a, like a mixed race queer guy who is like occupies a lot of white spaces and and doesn't um and or and is surrounded by a lot of of people at different stages and they're like um I don't know like he like he said the same thing that you said basically like that he's been crying for days and couldn't tell people he was crying for days because um it, it it felt like I don't know it felt like something that he, d he didn't know how to say <laughs> and um, the space of the internet that is normally his refuge what ha had totally been taken away I don't know if it's helpful for me to pass on these stories between people uh, when they're not my stories but like it, I also feel like it's important like to know that it, it, I, I think it's such a common experience at the moment and it's such a common experience but everybody who has told me of their experience has expressed it in a way that's like surprise and uh, complete like not entirely aware that that is normal like it's, it's normal to be crying like that like and it's normal to have moments where you're like pacing around the garden feeling like like wailing like um and and it's that's a healthy response to the news <laughs> um and I found it just super interesting that you like then you told me that and then you were like oh but don't worry I'm fine and like it just it remind like I don't know it's it's a really interesting thing that like your in, your instinct and every, everyone I've spoken to like their inclination has been to like briefly say the sad thing after the, when in a moment when the sad thing isn't there and then say but don't don't worry like don't please don't worry about me uh, like everything's fine and like make me feel at ease um and I just wondered if you knew you were doing that like if you're like not apologizing at the moment it's just like it's an interesting thing to notice about yourself um like someone I, a therapist once told me to do this and i found it super helpful that like i'd come into therapy every session ask her how she was sit down tell her a, a sad thing that had happened and then be like but i'm okay now and like I, and always end on an optimistic um note and like i she encouraged me to like try and sit with the experience of expressing my discomfort and not try to make the other person feel at ease and it was a super helpful lesson for me um yeah so i'm kind of i'm not like telling you how to process your grief at all actually i mean i just kind of did but basically what i needed what i meant to say was like please don't feel you have to make me feel comfortable for, with your grief like you are you don't owe anybody anyone and you don't owe anybody anyone you don't owe anybody anything right now so um that's that's all i had to say about that really i'm gonna stop recording and start another message uh, because i think that's actually easier to have it chaptered uh, <laughs> um but yeah i i kind of i just no i before i stop i wanted to say i would really like to do if we're talking about the um idea of doing a podcast or something um i just think it would be really interesting to do a chat like a live chat or like something where you and i are having a conversation uh either that can be edited afterwards or like uh filmed or 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 recorded where we discuss some of this stuff like in a way that other people can hear because it is a really it's just a really interesting space to occupy to be the palatable um the palatable version of the thing people are afraid of isn't it like um i just had yesterday i listened to your your uh message and then i went to my studio for the first time in like months 
and um, I had a, a meeting with this guy who's just given me like a bunch of money, like loads of mo like five grand to stop and think. It's called it's a thinking time grant. Like and like they just called me out of the blue. It's this arts organisation called me out of the blue and were like, oh, do you want five grand like to think we've chosen you? And the money comes from like rich artists having auctioned off paintings to like fund marginalised artists. Um, and I, he said, like, give us a list. It's like a really like well-meaning and like influential arts organization. And um, he said, give me like your list of demands. And one thing I asked for was like, I really would love a mentor who has an experience of my, who's more successful than me, but um, has an experience of marginalization and, and would, be able to discuss with me that like that the occupying a space where you are often tokenized and being asked to be a tick box or to speak for an entire community when you're talking about your own experiences and like navigating their kind of ickiness of that like the the like the discomfort of it and like I'd ask for that and he'd underlined it and asked me loads of questions so it's, it's this old white guy who's really nice in that he he was like charming rich older guy like who obviously wants to do good in the world but like is a product of like who he, who he is and he's much more in, looped in and he's doing much more like it's nice that he, he gave me five grand it's nice that he's investing his time in me but then he asked me this question like oh do like do you know of any disabled artists who like are successful who you would go to their ex exhibition and not think about their disability like um like where their disability was kind of incidental to their work and i felt like he was trying to get me to make that my practice <laughs> like where like like it, I, it was like he was trying to say do you, like it felt like i don't see like he was trying to say have you ever thought about making work where people don't see that you're disabled or like and it felt very very close to like oh I don't see colour um, and which I mean it's disability and race are different like sorry that's not I'm not equating the two and you can be both disabled and of colour like so it's a completely different thing but like um, it felt like such an uncomfortable question to get me to think about people I admire who I might not necessarily have to think about the limitations of their body and literally I don't know because if you didn't know they were disabled you wouldn't know would you so um, it I don't know it was such an uncomfortable question and that's exactly why I wanted a mentor who wasn't a, an old white man because they wouldn't ask a question like that and um, I really really like this man and really want to continue working with him but like I don't know how to navigate things like that anymore um and there are more and more of them so yeah i was just thinking about that i'm gonna stop now because i'm in the queue for coffee i'm like it's me next and i'm gonna have my coffee and then i'll probably leave you another message but like i wanted to say i'll message this as well it, i would really i just feel like we would have things to say wouldn't we because we have things to say to each other it, i wonder if we it would be a good idea to like have things to say publicly but obviously I'd also like to just hang out in a not work way. It can be really easy to just make everything into work, and I'm more interested in hanging out in a not work way than I am in doing a live chat or something. But if you want to do a live chat or something, I would also be super into that. Like, because I just feel like there's so much that needs saying. Um, and let's use our palatability for good i don't know <laughs> uh, let me know what you think i don't know just let me know what you think maybe we can work something out maybe not maybe just let's not i don't know but i yeah just let me know <laughs>